You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. All right, I'm here. Tommy's here. Tommy's back. Aaron's here. This show's presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for Windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Uh, we've got some... Well, we, got, I don't, we couldn't figure out what to do on the show today. We had a big, long pre-show meeting, and Tommy had some ideas about the Caps, and I had some ideas about the Wizards, and... <laughs> This would have been one of those days, though, yesterday. Oh, Am I right? Absolutely. Where we would have said, we'd have been sitting there at the end of the show, and we'd have said, what do we have for tomorrow? God. Yeah. I mean, we just did Swearinger all day, and we, you know, uh, oh, the Wizards play tonight. Okay, the Caps play tomorrow. Okay, bowl game. No, we don't have anything. But, and this is what we would say to each other, this is not an exaggeration. Three times a week, we would just look at each other. This is when we did the radio show. The day before, as we were planning for the next day's show, and just say, ah, the Redskins will do something stupid yes, today. Yes. <laughs> we'll we have counted to on to. it. <laughs> we counted on it. And they delivered all the time. Uh, congratulations to Tommy. Um, on one of the very first podcasts that we did back in September that Tom was a part of, um, he said to me, he said, so what do you know about this Brian LaFamina? And I said, well, you know, he seems to be too competent for this group. And you said verbatim, he won't last a year. Make sure that you tell him to rent, not buy. <laughs> you did. I know I did. It was, it was, it was so predictable. Look, well, I was at the press meeting he had at Redskins Park when, when he met in the conference room with a bunch of reporters that, that were invited. And when he started talking about no season ticket list, a waiting list and transparency, I thought the floor was going <laughs> to drop out. And Bruce, Bruce I thought sleeping Bruce giant, Allen, sleeping right, giant, right? The sleep. I thought Bruce Allen was going to push a button and the floor was going to drop out and we'd all disappear from the face of the earth. I mean, this was a conflict of styles from the get go. <laughs> Uh, and, and it was, and again, it, it was inevitable. Uh, and in a way it was a power struggle from the beginning for the soul of the organization. Yeah. I'll get to that in a moment. I, I, oh, I just want to relay this another story. And that is, if you recall, I went out, I don't know when it was, it was after you had made your declaration on the podcast that he better rent, not buy. Um, and I got done, I, I met with him and I, I like him. Every, everybody that met Brian had, yeah. had time to sit down with him and I had multiple conversations well, with him. Not everybody liked him. But when I went out there <laughs> to meet with him in mid September, I guess it was, I think I called you and I said, yep, uh, a year is the over under <laughs> he, the, the, his kind just don't last. No, you know, they don't last for a lot of reasons, insecurity and, you know, arrogance and and all of it. Not his in arrogance and insecurity. The people yes. that are already there. Um, I, before you really have at it here, uh, and we really get into it, I wanted to say two things to start. Um, I tweeted out yesterday that everyone in the media has known for weeks of Snyder and Allen's distaste for La Famina and company, and La Famina's transparency. Um, you know, sort of mode of, of operation just hadn't gone over well from, from the beginning. And so a lot of you said, well, why didn't I report it if I knew? Well, first of all, I'm not a reporter. Secondly, his leaving or being terminated hadn't happened yet. But we did. We have talked about the disconnect 
of Lafamina's sort of uh, approach to this whole thing and that it wasn't going over well. You and I have had that conversation. I had that conversation with Michael Phillips on the Christmas Eve show. I had that conversation with J.P. Finley. Um, I've mentioned it uh, before. We've, we've certainly, um, not, maybe not as direct uh, in terms of what we had a feeling of. I, I think both of us thought that it would end this way, um, but we weren't entirely sure. We just knew that it wasn't a good fit. We, we've known that for a while, that La Famina wanted to come in. He wanted to be transparent. He wanted to be honest, you know, about things like ticket selling issues. And that's not the way they do business there. It was just a, it was not a good relationship. And Tommy, what, what I've learned um, more definitively here over the last 12 to 18 hours is that while many of you will absolutely and justifiably come to the conclusion that this was a Bruce Allen power play. It wasn't. Dan was frustrated with La Famina and La Famina's strategy of being honest and transparent about a lot of things, the organization's ticket selling problems and a lot more. And it was perceived by Dan to be a constant knock on the way things had been done. Well, yeah. But remember, you know, and the the other part of this is I think Snyder believes that this year's ticket selling issues are at least partially due to the strategy of transparency and their attempt, Brian LaFamina and his merry men, uh, their attempt to limit the aftermarket somewhat on ticket sales. Um, if Snyder and Allen together believe that Brian LaFamina and his group and their strategy of transparency and telling people, hey, we, we've got tickets available. If they think that's the reason that they had half-filled parks, the access to the product isn't the problem and hasn't been the problem. The product is the problem. Yes. That's the problem. And until they wake up, like is, is, I've said this to you before, they're arrogant and they're dense and you don't, and it's it's the worst combination in people or businesses because you don't know the mistakes you've made. You make them over and over again. You refuse to admit you've made mistakes, and therefore you never learn from those mistakes. This is a top five worst organization in professional sports right now. But their arrogance will never allow uh, allow for an admission. Therefore, they're not going to seek help. And as a fan, and all of you who are fans right now as we speak, hopefully one day subject to change, but right now as we speak, there's no hope. No hope that this organization will ever be a winning organization on the field, and now finally, Tommy, off Off it. the field. Off it. Yes. You know, you're right about a lot of that, but there was a war, for what I've been told, going on with Bruce Allen as well, and it really came to a head over the Reuben Foster signing. Uh, Brian LaFamina and his group went to Snyder and Allen with feedback from corporate ticket holders who were upset about the about the signing to try to push back to say, you, you got to bail out of this. And they refused. They refused to do Allen in particular. And that was sort of like the tipping point uh, to accelerate what was an inevitable exit. You and I both knew that this, this was going to happen at some point. It happened kind of a little bit quicker than we thought. Yeah, I thought it would be yeah. at the end of the season. Yeah, so, well, I mean... We, I th- we are at the that end kind of the season, of accel- but not- That accelerated... And, and look, I wrote I wrote in the column two days after, uh, you know, 
couple of days after they signed Foster, I said, you know, Brian LaFamina had this uh, motto on his whiteboard in his office saying, do one good thing every day for a thousand days to make change. Basically something like that. I said he would, he wouldn't be here in 500 days. I didn't realize it'd be 30 days when I said that, but yeah, there was a conflict of style that was, that was inevitable. You know, you had to, in order to embrace what Brian LaFamina and his uh, army of suits were doing, you had to sit back and, and, and be patient and take the bad medicine, take the medicine first. And they didn't want to take the medicine because the medicine was hard to swallow. And actually, I mean, I don't know if this is true. Okay. I, I, I I'm, I'm sure about the Reuben Foster stuff because that comes from uh, very good sources, but the timing of it was uh, supposedly that uh the new crew were about to cut loose a bunch of longtime Reds people at Redskins Park, uh, allies of Snyder, uh, so to speak, lower level allies of Snyder, not Allen level, but lower level. Uh, and this was a preemptive strike. And I have heard that, Al, and which does not make sense on some level, that Bruce Allen and Jay Gruden are very concerned about their futures. And that doesn't quite make sense with everything we've just seen happen here. I said yesterday on the show that the DJ Swearinger release should not be reflective of Jay Gruden being safe. That this news yesterday, I agree with you as well. To me, none of this means that Bruce and Jay coming back are etched in stone. I. It's not that I have heard significant information with respect to this. This is more my gut, Tommy, on this, which is, and I I described it this way on the show yesterday, Sunday at FedEx Field, and it's going to be cold, and it's going to be potentially rainy, and the stadium is going to be maybe, maybe half-filled with Eagle fans, perhaps because it's a significant game maybe for Philadelphia. Very few Redskin fans will be there, and in that suite with a few pops and some of those friends surrounding him in that suite, he's going to be seething. And I just can't imagine that at the end of this season with the business erosion, the fan erosion, which has led to the business erosion to a certain degree, it'll never erode because they're one thirty-second of this monstrosity. Right, they make, monstrosity, they which make is the money NFL in, television spite, money. in spite yeah. of themselves. But, but they, I just, I don't think think that any of this stuff is is like oh jay you're going to be here so you cut swearinger oh uh bruce you're going to be here let's cut lafamina go i don't think that they may end up being here but i don't believe that these two incidents back to back this week mean that those things are etched in stone that's no, what i would say I, and I, I so agree. it sounds like you feel the same way I, I agree and if anything if if you believe like we believe you could make the case that both of those moves, the Swearinger cutting and the uh, the exodus of these suits are last minute like Hail Mary attempts by Allen and 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 uh, Jay Gruden to to solidify their job status. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but you could easily make that case just as, as you could that it enhances their power. You know, I mean, I, again, I've heard from a reliable source that this was, uh, as quote, a Hail Mary attempt by, by those guys. I, but, it, it, I, but I understand if you're a fan, you're thinking, wow, 
you know, these guys now these guys aren't going anywhere now. Look what they just did. They cut a guy uh, who was a, a, a valuable defensive player, and they just cut loose half of, uh, you know, like all these new guys that they brought in. So on the, on the surface, it looks like a power play that solidifies them. That's not necessarily the case. Here, here's the one thing I do know for a fact. Dan and Bruce both like Jay personally. They don't put all of this on Jay. They don't. It doesn't mean that they won't make a change, but they like him. They like being around him, and they don't believe that the last two years are all on him. And I think there's a case to be made that it's not all on him. I, I, I've never said otherwise. I, I want to go back to, to a couple of things. First of all, back to your foster information. Um, we both thought during the Reuben Foster thing that La Famina was probably ignored in the Reuben Foster yeah. signing. It was a football move. La Famina's on the business side, but one of the reasons that La Famina, we thought, was brought into the organization, perhaps at the league's urging, was to avoid all this BS that happens here every year, you know, multiple times a year, to, 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 to be a reasonable voice in the room that says, no, no, let me just give you guys the pitfalls yeah, here's, of what happens. Here's what happens this if is you what, do this. Yeah, this is what's going to happen if you do this, because they never think about that stuff. No. And the fact that they went forward with Reuben Foster made it clear to me that, that Brian LaFamina wasn't consulted on this, nor at that point did I think he would be. Because I think the ship had sailed a little bit. So on the Reuben Foster thing, did you learn that he wasn't consulted on this or that they just ignored him? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. All, Be- I, know is, all I know is the reaction to the signing was they presented Dan and Bruce with, with information, feedback from their corporate uh, ticket holders that's, that was vehemently negative to try to say, you know, let's bail out of this now. And they, they were ignored then. Right. Because remember, when they signed Reuben Foster, we both said um, that if they ignored him, that's bad. If they didn't consult him, it's even worse. Yeah. Now, again, on the Reuben Foster thing, I don't want to re-litigate this thing again, but it doesn't matter if he's guilty or innocent. It it makes makes no no difference. The Redskins, who I might point out, people forget, were ground zero of the NFL cheerleader sexploitation scandal, could not afford... To even sign a guy accused for the second time of, of, of beating a woman. They just couldn't afford to do that. Has nothing to do with Reuben Foster's guilt or innocence. They are one of the teams in the NFL that could not afford to do this. That it, what You just said, and I know we've said it before, but it really, it really is important because... You know, I don't want all of you a year from now, if Reuben Foster's having a big season, a Pro Bowl season for the Redskins to come back and say, see, if they had listened to you guys. No, no, no. It's not about his guilt or innocence. Not about it at all. It's about that this organization, more than any other in the league, could not afford to take the hit for signing someone who had just committed his second domestic violence or had had just been accused, excuse me, of of an alleged domestic violence situation for the second time in less than a year. I, I don't know how many organizations could. I can tell you this. The league didn't want him to do no. it. No one wanted, wanted no. them and, to and do it. Look, let me just stand on my pulpit very briefly here. And I've done this before, but this hits, it, hits home in, in what I've been saying. This is the 21st century, and with social media, perception 
is everything right now. Perception can damage everything in your organization. You may want to separate the football from the business, from the media, but it all runs together. I know for a fact that it was the it was the reaction to the Steven Strasburg uh, potentially not pitching in in the division series last year. The twelve hours that took place before dust uh, that happened after Dusty Baker said uh, he he didn't feel like he could pitch because he was hurting, and the reaction to that that cost Dusty Baker's job. It, it was it was the reaction to his handling of the Steven Strasburg postseason pitching situation. This impacts people. It impacts your foot. Again, you can't say this isn't a football decision when everybody tells you that the crowd at these games affects the product on the field. You can't separate them. It all comes together. And I would urge uh, people on this Redskins beat uh, to pepper Jay Gruden with questions about the about the departure of these guys because they're football questions because Jake Rudin and the players have told you the lack of people and the lack of support in the stands has hurt this football team and these were the guys who were brought in to change that and that's how you're making the connection to a, it being a football it's a thing. football decision um well, I look, it's selling tickets and getting people into the stands that can potentially, you know, help the home team yes. is a football thing. This is what they tell us all the time. Right. But the, how how completely detached from reality must you be to think that their strategy of saying, "Hey, we don't have sellouts. We don't have a waiting list. We have tickets available." is the primary driver of half-filled stadiums. Is it possible that whatever they did from an aftermarket ticket ticket selling situation impacted the ability to, for some to get tickets that may have wanted to go to the game? Sure. It's your product that is driving people away. That doesn't explain, by the way, the television ratings. The television ratings are going hand in hand with attendance yes. with respect to like percentage drop. You know, the the stadium would have been 50% f- more filled. Three years ago, the TV ratings would have been 50% higher three years ago than they are now. The fan base is leaving in droves, droves. It has nothing to do with Brian LaFamina and his group of people, nothing. And everything to do with the owner, the team president, and all of the other people that have worked to create this dreadful product, an embarrassing product uh, on the field. Actually, it's been mediocre uh, on the field over the last three years, which you know tells you all you need to know, which is they've been thrilled with the results the last three years. They're better than any three-year span we've had yes. here and forever. But it's just one thing after another, and I, I, I hope we are sitting here together one week from today, actually six days from, five days from today, on Tuesday, and we are talking about a new head of football operations and a new head coach. I do. I don't want Bruce Allen or Jay Gruden back. I think Jay Gruden's a nice guy, too. He's an average coach, and I do understand the challenge of replacing him. You know, Tommy, I talked about the Swearinger thing, which we'll get to, because I want to read portions of your column, because I really enjoyed your column, as I always do when I read it, when I can actually you know, be patient <laughs> enough to make, make it through the, the Washington Times website. But I think that there's this connection 
yesterday between Swearinger and what they are. And and I'll just I'll I'll try to make it really brief. DJ Swearinger is the best they're going to do. He's a talented player, but clearly flawed. You know, there were great teams that didn't want him, and yesterday there were only three teams that made claims to him. The Raiders, the Packers, and the Cardinals. Not one playoff contender signed DJ Swearinger. Right. Wanted him on their team for this weekend and a potential playoff run. Not one. I, I do think it's interesting that the Raiders, that John Gruden put a claim in yeah, on that, him. Yeah, that is very interesting. Uh, it, it's almost like he really doesn't care. He he may be the big brother that thinks, I can handle him, little brother can't. Unless Jay Gruden really didn't cut him. I thought of that too, but I heard that Jay Gruden okay. was so frustrated well, he by should this. Be. Should have been. He should have been. But what I want to, where I was going with this is that you are you, the the Redskins aren't going to attract the really talented players who are also you know spotless with respect to flaws. You know, like just think about the free agents that they've signed here recently: Paul Richardson, injury prone. Uh, Zach Brown can't cover. These are guys talented but flawed. Whether it's a defect in their game, whether there's a personality issue, whether there's a, a a teammate issue, whatever it is. Chris Long came in here in 2016 and said, "No, thank you." Yes. No, thank you. Um, this organization can't <coughs> attract those players anymore. I don't even want to get into the list of free agents that they've had to settle for, um, for for other reasons. But it's the same thing in the front office it's the same thing in the uh, on the coaching front who of high quality quality people don't want to work for dan snyder and bruce allen bruce allen was voted as the least trustworthy executive in the nfl by 25 nfl agents in a poll last spring this is a big problem that if Snyder doesn't recognize, because he's not selling the team, and he doesn't, again, I've said this, have an epiphany that he's presiding over the worst organization or a top five worst organization in all of professional sports and say, I'm going to bring a quality person in here and promise them that I'm not going to interfere contractually and turn it over to him. Until that happens, you're going to get DJ Swearingers. Yeah. You're going to get de- you're going to get talented players every once in a while but with defects. And remember this too Tommy, I mentioned this yesterday. They don't have the the ability that they used to have or the want that they used to have and this is all Bruce to pay 20% above retail to attract those people that don't really want to come here but will take the money. Right. They don't do that anymore. They no, actually they pay below retail most of the time. Yes. They I mean, I mean at one point this year they had room they had Empty spots on their roster at one point this season. Uh, listen, one more thing about the Reuben Foster column and my prediction a month ago. DJ Swearinger column, you no, mean? No, no, no. Uh, my prediction a month ago Brian that Lafamina, that Lafamina said, would yeah, be Ruben gone. Foster. I, I, uh, well, it was related to the Reuben Foster signing. So, uh, I mean, I didn't have any special knowledge that Brian Lafamina was going to be going at that point. Uh in in the media business, it was just logical that if if you're brought in to change the perception of an organization and they make a move like signing Reuben Foster, then you have no power. You have no power at all. That that's all it was. It was just realizing what Brian Lafamina's role is 
and how it was damaged and diminished by that move. And you can't, whether you're fired or, or, or you're quit, you can't, you're not long for the job after that because you're irrelevant. You don't count. Yeah, I mean, it, you connected the dots. When That's it. They weren't they weren't hard to no. connect. Well, apparently they were, uh, because a lot of people looked at me like I had two heads, and they'd say that's a football decision. What would he have to do with a? F- I, I got that all the time. <laughs> I, I won money. Uh, by the way, I, I I won money from my boss at one hundred six seven, the fan, uh, Chris Kynard, who bet me twenty bucks that I was wrong. Yeah. Well. So. Um. We're 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 yeah. You weren't wrong about that. Uh. What I would uh, look, I know what you're doing with the football connection with La Famina. The truth of the matter is, he's not involved in the day to day football stuff. Um, so, but it is interesting that the reaction has been what it is, and it it is that way because when he got here, you know, there were so many kind words said about him from not only the owner, right, but a lot of people and a lot of us that met him. Yes, And I did ask him, just if you're curious, I did ask him if he'd come on the podcast. I didn't think he would. Um, and uh, and uh, he, I have not gotten a response from him. But my, my guess is that Brian has way too many, you know, um, he's got too much savvy and too, too, he's too smart to, to come on and talk about this. He's going to work somewhere in another organization or back in the league because he's competent. And uh, he's not going to throw anybody under the bus no, on the he, way out he's not because the that. people that he will end up working for, they'll know. Yeah, he won't even have to tell them. Right. You see, know? that's the thing. That's that. Look, you heard what Ben McAdoo said at the beginning of the season when he was assessing the NFC East. Oh, who cares what Ben McAdoo said? Well, yeah, but he said no, 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 no. Washington's Washington. Right. That's what everybody in the league yeah. knows. That's like, what everybody in the business knows. Like Brian LaFamina's phone is likely ringing off the hook if it hasn't been for the last month or two anyway, and no one's going to even ask him about here because they'll know. And they probably told him before he came. Yes, this isn't going to work out for you. So just when it ends, just give us a call. You got a place here. Let me ask you a question. Uh, some of us believe that uh, he was brought here at the urging of of the league. I've never been able to confirm. I've never that. been able. But, but, me neither. But, but if, it makes if, sense. It, it, it's it's a theory. It, we have no proof of that. But if that theory were were to have some basis, in fact. Will there be any pushback from Roger Goodell and the NFL about this purge? Uh, or they just sit back and there's just, there's Dan, Dan and Bruce, yeah. you know? I mean, <laughs> what are we going to do? I mean, you know, the thing, the, the thing about it, Tommy, is that, you know, somebody asked me this like two months ago. I remember specifically the question. They said, why, why would you, on this topic about the league putting Brian uh, LaFamina into the organization, why would they do that? Like, and I, this is something that still today rings true in the league offices in New York. I guarantee it. They want the Redskins to be a better organization. They want them to be a quality organization that wins at least occasionally. And the reason for that is if you look at this NFC East over the years, These matchups between the Cowboys and the Redskins and the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Giants and the Redskins and the Giants and the Eagles, etc. These are the marquee television matchups of the year for the league. Over a long period of time, it still exists today. Still look at how many times the Cowboys, the Cowboys are in a different category. I will grant you that. I'll concede that point. They always have been. 
All right, they are the number one draw in the league. Um, they have the most fans nationally and internationally of any team. But when you have these matchups, and they're there every year in big spots, Thanksgiving Day, Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night, they're always being played, these matchups. They will tell you that these matchups – do you remember, Tommy, it, it was uh, – uh, it wasn't that many years ago. The Cowboys played the Redskins in a Sunday night game. There was the 2000, I'm going way too far back now, and that's not what I was going to reference, the 2001 game. Uh, the Cowboys were winless. Marty Schottenheimer's Redskins were winless. It was the highest rated Monday night game of the year in 2001. <laughs> the highest Monday night rating they got all year between two winless teams. Now we're going back 17 years, so uh, something more current, and it was a recent year in which they played a Monday night game and neither team was great and the number was the highest number that they had gotten all year. Now I think there was another game or two later on that year that trumped it but as of that particular date it was the number one rated game of the year. Redskins Cowboys on Thanksgiving in 2016. Now both teams were playing well. The Redskins were 6-3-1 and and the Cowboys were 9-1. and Right. It's the, the highest rated game on Fox ever for an NFL game ever. So there is still some juice to these NFC East games and the Redskins, Giants, Eagles, and Cowboys being competitive teams and being winning teams at least every once in a while is good for the league. That's why they want the Redskins to stop being an embarrassment to the league and start, you know, pulling their fair share. Yes. They'd like them to do that. Yes, they would. All right, I want to get to the Swearinger thing, but let me first tell you and everybody else uh, about our favorites, Window Nation. Uh, got, got a couple of text messages yesterday from all the guys at Window Nation. What's going on with your team? Uh, Eric's a big fan of the Redskins, and and uh, he's he, like a lot of us, um, have uh, really not a lot of hope right now. But I, I hope you'll give Window Nation – um, a chance because it's reasonable to hope that they'll they'll deliver it and they will they they always do and I got a a nice email from somebody uh, last week saying that they had gotten window nation windows and they wanted to thank me for um, the uh, advice and the referral and they were taken good care of so if you're thinking about new windows first of all start with this there's no risk to call up Window Nation at 866-90-NATION, have them come out and give you a free estimate. No monetary risk or any other risk. If you're thinking about new windows, call 866-90-NATION and let them come out, look at what your, your situation is, try to figure out what you need and give you an estimate. There's no cost to that. But right now and through the end of the month, Window Nation's running their triple zero sale. Zero down payment, zero payments, and 0% interest until 2020. But that's not it. Window Nation Window Nation's triple zero sale is a triple deal. You'll get $200 off every window, any size, any style. And with a whole house of windows, Window Nation will pay your heating bill until the new windows are installed. Zero down payment, zero payments, zero interest for 12 months, $200 off each window, no minimum purchase required, plus Window Nation will pay your heating bill until the new windows are installed. You'll save today, save tomorrow, and save forever. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. 866-90-NATION or shop windownation.com and tell them I told you to call. All right, uh, I spent a lot of yesterday talking about DJ Swearinger, so um, I, I'm going to do this 
because I really, really enjoyed the column. It's not just because you're here and you know <laughs> I'm a big fan of your columns, and I don't know why um, r- bigger newspapers and online publications haven't don't have you writing for them. It makes no sense to me, but let I'm me sure- let me just say, yes, I'm very happy. Twenty six years now with the Washington Times, they treat me very well, and the grass is not always greener on the other side. And you like to be, you like to be on your own without a lot of people telling you what to do. And this is a good situation for yeah, you. There yes, too. it is. Okay, so Tommy wrote a column uh, for yesterday. It may have been Christmas Day for the Washington Times. Oh, uh, it was for Wednesday's paper. Okay, so for yesterday's paper. Swearinger release shows honesty is best way to escape Redskins asylum is the title of it. And he writes, well, now the Washington Redskins players know how to escape the asylum. It's not by getting arrested for slugging someone on the streets of Ashburn at 2 a.m., and apparently it's not by being accused of beating a woman. Heck, that gets you in the waiting room. (laughs) That gets you in the waiting room. No, the way to escape the madness of Redskins Park is by telling the world how bad things are. Who knew honesty would be so rewarded by the organization? And then you, I'm not going to read the whole column, but there, there is the line that I texted you about that just made me laugh out loud. Um, you wrote, I know Swearinger may feel like a victim, but let's face it, he brought this on himself. You can't publicly rip your bosses over and over without consequences. Releasing him was likely the most severe consequence the Redskins thought they could hand out. But if they'd really wanted to punish him, they should have made him stay with his organization. (laughs) That was great. Uh, There are a couple of other doozies. So, obviously... You don't think that this was, like, somebody sent me a text saying, do you think he did this on purpose to get the hell out of here? No. No. No, no. no. I, I don't, look, I was be, I was having fun with, with what a, another ridiculous situation. You know, in a way, here's how bad the Redskins are. <laughs> Even when they do what is the right thing, it looks bad. I mean, look, you can't have a player constantly publicly criticizing your coaching staff. Of course not. You can't do that. That that's not allowed. But you know, this organization. I mean, people. I mean, people are are, are going to side with the guy who's saying what they say. This is what most fans say. All he's doing. People saw, saw DJ Swearinger as a voice for the fan. I mean, so that's how bad this organization is. Even when they do the right thing, and you know, again, sending a message. I mean, my God, that ship has sailed a long so time sailed. ago. Yeah. I mean, there's no there's no messages to be sent. There's no culture to be changed. I mean, that 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 that's that's gone. That that's gone. And look, I mean, you know what was funny was when I posted that. Then the arg- and he got picked up by the Cardinals. Then the argument that was taking place on social media. Where was the worst place to play, the Cardinals or the Redskins? <laughs> and and Redskins were trying to, to find some kind of solace in the fact that the Cardinals were bad, too. <laughs> I mean, you can't do what he did over and over and over again after being told, all right, told by your head coach, you can't do this. Now, one of the things Jay Gruden admitted yesterday in his conference call, that he wasn't clear enough that the consequence would be getting released I don't know why he would admit that. I mean, you don't have to that you don't have to spell out the consequence. No. Don't do this or it's going to be a problem for yeah. you. And 
apparently it happened multiple times. And finally, he's just like, what are you doing? It was simple instructions. Yes. If you're pissed off at your coach or teammates or the fans, tell us. It shouldn't leave this building. But this guy didn't have enough uh, self-control. And apparently, according to him, he did that. He told them whenever whenever he had a chance. Uh, he basically said, "I, I." somebody asked him that in the interview on 106.7 Fan. Uh, and he said, every time I come off the field, I tell them, which I pointed out in my column, that must make Redskins sideline a regular holiday party. <laughs> Have him pitching every time they walk oh, off the field. Well, you pointed this out, too. Like, if, if, if you didn't think he was the smartest guy on the team, just ask him. Yes. Because that was a big part of that interview on 106.7 yes. with Grant and Danny. I'm a guru. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I just... It's just all laughable the the reaction, you know, I of of him getting cut. I I when when he made those comments, that was a big part of Monday's show, which yeah. was Christmas Eve after following the Tennessee game. Yeah, because he did somebody he, he he did the interview on one hundred six seven a fan Monday later later minutes in the day. minutes yes. after he had been cut. exactly. So um, somebody said uh, to me on Twitter because I made the comment that John Allen's tweet, um, Greg Minuski did yes. a great job coaching, was basically a Shut the hell up, DJ. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And somebody said, How do you know what he was saying? Well, John Allen apparently was the leader. W- w- shouldn't say the leader. John Allen was a strong voice of get this guy out of our locker room. Um, and we've seen that. You know, he, w- I want to read that tweet that he put out the other day. Hold on for a second. I'll find it. And, and you know, look, uh, anybody who played for Nick Saban. It's never going to be able to tolerate this. Exactly. I mean, you know, again, I mean, it doesn't matter if what he said was it, it's it's almost like the Reuben Foster thing. It doesn't matter if what he said is true. That does that's that's irrelevant. It, totally irrelevant. And it probably was true. Yes. It probably was true. And it wasn't just a shot at Minuski. It was a shot at Jay Gruden, which I, which he then took some more of talking about how lax the practices are. But if you're criticizing the head coach's uh, defensive coordinator, well, the head coach hired him. Right. So you're criticizing your head coach as well. Yeah, no, he uh, – everything he said is probably true. Yeah. You know, Gruden's practices are too easy. Gruden's too laid back. Minuski doesn't know what he's doing. Look, the results speak for themselves. Yes. Okay, so yes. I don't think a lot of people are going to debate him, and no one's going to debate that he wasn't a good player who played extremely hard. Yes. You know, and probably prepared like he said he prepared. Yes. You know, but you can't do – what he did. Right. And he's, he's, I mean, be you, well, you've been able to do that in this organization. What was surprising to me is that they actually made him accountable, but I know that that wasn't the message necessarily, but the result was, Hey, somebody was finally held accountable yeah. for acting like a child. Yeah. But of all things, of all things, uh, of all things. And next year will be his fifth team in seven seasons in the NFL. That does tell you something. Uh, a hundred percent for, especially for a guy who's talented, not, a, not, not top level talented, but talented, he'll help you win most of the time. You know, when it comes down to things like this and you debate among each other, you know, I debate with all of you who are also fans of the team and Tommy does as well. Sometimes when it comes down to these decisions of of basically, you know, releasing a player or benching a player or whatever it is and and people take the player's side, it's really hard to take the player's side 
when this when Arizona was his fifth team in six years, and he's returning, and he's actually talented. It's a return to Arizona. I know, but different coaching staff. Right, different coaching staff. Yeah, so right. it's it's tr- it's actually it's the fourth team in six years, but really the right, fifth, fifth coaching, team, staff coaching staff in six years for a talented player. You can't look away from that. Those are the numbers that matter. You know, and that is the kind of player, unfortunately, the Redskins have to sign because the player that is just looking to be on his second team in six years doesn't want to come here. You know, the talented, the real talented player that is just looking to get paid, you know, by or looking for a new start or a new organization is a top free agent, likes where he is and everybody likes him. And the team that he's played for is trying to re-sign him. That player is not coming here because that player has much better choices. Yes. Much better choices. Um, back... You know what? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You, you, no, you... I was going to say, have we moved on from uh, La Famina Exodus and... Uh... And uh, DJ Swearinger? We have, but I wanted to just go back to one thing that came sure. up briefly um, and and just get our... We, we both think that what's happened here over the last week shouldn't necessarily be taken or received as Bruce and Jay are definitely staying now. Like, you, of course Jay's staying. He was allowed to cut Swearinger. First of all, I don't really get that anyway. maybe I'm missing something. A lot of people came to that conclusion immediately. I didn't even think of it that way. I don't know why Jay cutting DJ Swearinger after telling this guy three times, shut the F up. It wasn't just maybe I got so frustrated. You know, Dan and Bruce had to sign off on it, or Bruce had to sign off on it, but I got enough people in my locker room that want him gone too. I don't know why that would be an indication that he's definitely coming back. I didn't come to that conclusion. Many of you did. I didn't, and I still don't. Um, Bruce, uh, uh, La Famina gone. I don't believe it was a total Bruce power play. I think you leaned in that direction. I think this had a lot to do with Dan's relationship with, with uh, well, Brian it, La Famina I tell you what, as well, it, or lack thereof of a relationship. It didn't take much to convince Dan if Bruce was going to do that, okay, that this fair guy enough. needed to go. So I just want to get on record right now. Do you think Bruce and Jay, we'll, we'll take we'll take them one at a time. Is Bruce coming back? You know, even though, uh, you know, I, I, I've heard that this was a Hail Mary in part because they feel vulnerable, I still think Bruce is back because, I mean, look, Bruce now is back to being the only stadium guy. And they've their the stadium push is is, is getting is getting down. to Lafamina wasn't wasn't significantly involved in the stadium thing. Okay, but so, that, that's part of his expertise. Yes, and they probably could have used him had yes. Bruce gone. Yes. So now who's left right. to handle that? So I still think Bruce stays. I still think Bruce stays. I still think Jay stay. Jay stays. I think Bruce goes. Wow. But I think Bruce ends up. Staying in some compa- in some capacity as a consultant or under contract to see the stadium deal through. That may be on behalf of Dan. I th- this is right now. I sense this is. Tell me if I'm wrong. I sense this is very much a minority opinion. Don't you think most people think they're both back? Yes. Okay. I yes. think. I think. I don't know anything, and I've said this before. The people that I know who would know don't know. They don't right now. Um, they did know about Brian Lafamina. <laughs> they did, they did know that that wasn't going very well. Uh, I think Bruce is gone. I think I just there's you can't find one person, fan 
or used to be fan that thinks that bringing Bruce Allen back is a good idea. This, t- Tommy, is it possible that he has become more despised than Vinny Serrato? He actually is more despised than Vinny Serrato. Oh, yeah. Is it possible that people actually think that he's even less competent than Vinny Serrato at this point? No, I think the difference is incompetence and evil. I really do think that, I mean, when I, when, when I, I borrowed the nickname from Tampa, Prince of Darkness, uh, he's earned that nickname. I think people perceive Bruce Allen to be far more evil and manipulative than Vinny Serrato, who was just clueless. Fair enough. Is it, is it, is it accurate to say that the feeling of Bruce has to go is stronger than it was for even Vinny in 2009? Yes. I think it might be. I think it is. I, I, I think it is because, uh, be, because Bruce Allen Bruce Allen solicits a far more negative reaction. Again, he's a, he's, he's a more of a lightning rod than Vinny Serrato, who, who we all kind of thought was, you know, the, just the, this big dope. Yeah, this the accidental uh, sport, you know, general manager. Right, who basically was just executing what the owner wanted anyway. Yeah, I mean, Vinny Serrato. He didn't have many good ideas of his own. No, though. in a political battle, uh, Vinny Serrato was unarmed. In a political race right now, if Vinny's running against uh, Bruce Allen, Vinny would probably win. Probably. What? That's a good poll. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny or Bruce? But but I guess getting back to my, my main point is, I, I don't you think at some point, even if he is totally detached, totally insecure, totally delusional about what his franchise is, that he's at least heard that Bruce Allen is is despised even more than Vinny. That, but if if you're, that he, if if you're despised as well. Aren't you talking to yourself into saying it's them, not us? Or maybe he likes the fact that Bruce is even more despised than he hey, is. Hey. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I'm i just, okay, on the record, I'm going to say that Bruce exits his day-to-day football operation role, that he's no longer the team president, that somehow he may still be involved in the stadium deal, in the politics of the stadium deal, which is from everything I've heard over the years is he comes from a political family, that this is his strength, you know, that, that administrative and, and, and financial and then political, you know, all that stuff is what he does well. Football, not so well, as we know. On Jay Gruden, I'm going to, okay, on Jay Gruden, you first. I, I think he's still here. Because he's, if, if nothing else, he's likable. Jay Gruden, I now believe, will be back for next season. Because I think that the people that will replace Bruce are in the building now. I think it is a combination of Kyle Smith and Eric Schaefer and Doug Williams. And I don't know how they're going to sell all this together instead of one person being in charge. Um, and I don't think that that's the right strategy. Right. I think you got to have somebody that's in charge and has the autonomy to run the football operation and is competent and proven. But if Kyle Smith is what everybody says he is, which is the next star that they're they're going to lose eventually <laughs> to a good organization that recognizes his quality and, and elevates him, 
then if he's elevated within the organization, then Jay stays. Because right now, there will be recognition, I would I would think, maybe be, between Eric Schaefer and Kyle Smith. Next year's going to be a rough year. Oh, yeah. So what's the point of bringing in the new guy now and, when and, we and already are him. paying right. Jay? Absolutely. We're, I, you know? I, I agree with that. I mean, you, that's not the way you want to start off the regime of, of the new guy. Uh, when you're paying $40 million to, to uh, uh, quarterbacks, uh, most of whom can't play. It, it's three things on why I think Jay stays. Uh, if there is a change with Bruce, which I, th- I believe there will be, um, it'll be with, within. So people who are familiar with Jay like Jay. and But really it's about it's a rough year next year. He's under contract for two more. You don't want to have him walk and and pay him two more years. And then the third thing that I didn't mention is just there will be seven, eight, maybe nine teams in the market for head coaches and what appears to be a limited candidate pool. And if again, they're delusional and arrogant, so they may think they're at the top of the pecking order on that. They're not. Someone out there knows that they're not going to get the creme de la creme. Right. They're not going to get the top of that candidate pool. And therefore, they're going to have to settle for something, you know, that maybe Jay Gruden they believe is just as good as. So I'm Bruce is gone. This is my, my position today is Bruce is gone. Jay stays. You know, the one thing about Bruce being gone, if he's not completely gone, he will stay involved in the football operation. He may be given the title of stadium consultant. He may be told, but not he if he moves to to California. He can't stop. What? What? The phones don't work in no, California. He's not. He's not. If if they if if he moved, I'm saying he moves on. Right. I'm saying that maybe he's kept on as a consultant to see the stadium thing through. But he's not telling Doug Williams, uh, you know, uh, Kyle Smith and Eric Schaefer, hey, don't. Answer your phones this morning. I just made a trade. No, he's not. He's, but he's, he's tell- going to be he's out st- of that. He's still telling Dan Snyder what he should do with the football operation. <sighs> I mean, f- unless Bruce is gone, he's never gone. So that that's the n- name of that tune. Are we done with this? I wanted to mention one other quick thing. The um, Sunday is an interesting day. Well, this is what I wanted to talk about. Okay, you g- then go. You know, with all this, they're going to win Sunday. No, they're not. They're going to win. No, they're not. All this, they're going to win. Okay. here's So it's sort of in the same direction, but for different reasons. The thing that would make this week even worse in the last, you know, the last month even worse for Dan and Bruce is if Philadelphia wins, um, if Minnesota wins, or if Minnesota loses and Philadelphia loses. They do not want Kirk Cousins in the postseason. Right. I know that for really? a fact. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they do not want to see Minnesota make the postseason. Now, at this point, it's like a lot of people have probably moved on and won't care as much. But they will see it as if he if he gets in the postseason and, God forbid, wins a couple of games or makes a run with that team, it would just make it so much worse. They are rooting very much against them. That's so funny. if Minnesota were to lose the game and Philadelphia loses the game, Minnesota's still in. Still in. <clears throat> so I don't think the Redskins are good enough to beat a Philadelphia team no, that's interested anyway. I, I don't think they are. But but given the 
the given the, the bizarro world we live in, <laughs> I mean, uh, of all times for the Redskins to win a game when they're, I mean, when they when they have sunk to a new low of embarrassment and dysfunction, playing with a a a quarterback. Uh, who was on the street a couple weeks ago, of course they're going to beat the Super Bowl-defending champions. Why don't you go find out if Jay Gruden finds this game to be super important yes. to get to 8-8? Eight eight. Yes, to get to 8-8. Eight <laughs> because eight. last year you thought it was so important because he said it was. I thought it was kind of funny that the coach would, would, would say that. Why uh, The coach would put such import on it. And I'll bet, I'll bet he does it again before, before Sunday. And if he does, it'll be even further proof that it really doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it just doesn't mean anything at all. Uh, I do like, and, and Cooley's going to be on the show tomorrow, um, so tune in for that, because I was talking to him last night, and he really likes Josh Johnson. He thinks Josh Johnson's definitely coming back for a chance to compete for um, what could be an open starting job position, at least at the beginning of the year. Real quickly on my good friends at Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. They should be on your list if you're considering something new. And if you're considering something new, act on it here in the next four or five days here at the end of the month. Because Farish right now has the highest rebates they've had all year long. They are looking to try to get rid of all of the inventory, all of the vehicles on their lot before the end of the year. That means great deal opportunities for you. Now, I talk about Ralph Perkins all the time. Ralph's a good friend. Just talked to him the other day. Go into the store. They're right there in the heart of Fairfax and Fairfax Circle. Ask for Ralph. Tell him I sent you. Ralph will put you in touch with one of their best salespeople. And most of their salespeople have been at Farish for 15 to 20 years. They're not going to hard sell you. They're not going to overwhelm you. They're not going to be relentless. They're going to help you find what it is you're looking for. And right now, because of the inventory that they've got on their lot, whatever you're looking for, you'll likely find it in the make, model, and color and be able to drive it off the lot that day. If you like this show and you're thinking about buying something new, uh, especially a Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, or Subaru, they've got a Subaru dealership as well. I give you my word that you'll be taken care of if you head out to Farish and Fairfax. Ask for Ralph Perkins. Uh, also, you can check out their website, farishcars.com. Uh, you can see all of their live inventory, live pricing, and best deals right there. All right, let's bring in Adam Schefter uh, from ESPN. We haven't talked to Adam in a while. Um, thanks for doing this on uh, on short notice. It's always appreciated. You know, it's always something with this organization here in Washington. We know that. Yeah. We're used to it. We've been here before. We've been at rock bottom before. It actually seems like a new rock bottom. And the news came out yesterday uh, about Brian LaFamina. What was yeah. your reaction? What are you hearing? I honestly had not heard a whole lot about it other than the basic facts of the case because I'm not usually tracking, you know, financial guys and their futures. I'm busy tracking head coaches and general managers. And so that one is like, whoa, okay, well, there's a shakeup for a guy that was just brought on board within the past year who had a really good reputation. Uh, and it seemed like a rather sudden, abrupt, and radical change right away. But I don't have any insight to tell you, boy, you know, we'd heard this was coming. Boy, here's what happened. You guys would know more about it than I would. You know, Adam, I mean, in the 21st century at this point, I mean, and I'm, you know, sort of like a lone voice on this a lot of times, but the business of football is football. In other words, it's all connected. We have yep. these business guys and we say, well, they're not 
football guys, but it, 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 perception. You, you, you've seen yourself how the perception of a decision made on the mm-hmm. football side can damage an organization all the way through. So I don't think you can separate the two as much as you used to. That's fair. That's fair, Tom. I, I, I'm not arguing that. Um, again, it's just you know, in my world, you know, I, I don't think fans are out there wondering what the future of Brian De La Femina is, right? So I get it's that. not like I'm track. I'm not that. tracking that one. Like, like they would be interested in Jay Gruden. And right. what do you think happens there? Yeah. Well, we, we, we've <laughs> talked. You know, you know what's so funny about this, and you know this about us in this particular city, is that yeah. we've spent more time talking about their dysfunction. Um, off the field uh, than, than what's happened on the field, which has been just as porous, you know, over a long period of time. I, I want to get to Jay and I want to get to Bruce in a moment, but I, you know, y- you've spent a lot of time with us and other people, you know, in the market over the years talking about this team. The last mm-hmm. month, I mean, the Ruben Foster signing, the, you know, the DJ Swearinger release, the La Famina stuff. I mean, does it just reek to you of same old, same old in, ter- in terms terms of the organization? Well, I think what's interesting to me is that every time this organization seems like it's on the right track and going in a positive direction and close to kind of getting over the hump, they suffer setbacks. Like, they just can't get over the hump for whatever reason. Like, they were really close this year to competing in that division and even winning the division. All of a sudden, the quarterback gets hurt, terrible injury. Uh, All these other things begin to happen. And all of a sudden, now we're left talking about the Redskins in the way we've always talked about the Redskins when they seemed to be close to getting over that hump. And then it just went all sideways on them. Okay, so if it, it, that is one interpretation, by the way. And it's, it's not an unjustified one, that they were, they were making progress. They were 6-3. and three. They were in first place by two games going into that Houston game in which yeah. Alex Smith got hurt. Now... You know, watching every play of every game, I think most of us thought, you know, it, not that it was fraudulent by any stretch of the imagination, but that there wasn't a huge upside with the way they had been playing to get to 6-3. and three. Like, they weren't on the level of the Rams or the Saints or the Bears or, you know, even probably a couple of other teams. Um, but um, you, you but said... But they were 6-3. and three. They were. They, they were 6-3, and three and Dallas was floundering, and Philly was dead. And the Giants were in the basement, and it was all there for them. And you could say they're not as good as those teams, and that's fine. I'm not going to argue with that. But the fact of the matter is you just try to get into the postseason, create some momentum, and take your chances at that point in time. You don't know if your team is going to get hot. And they were 6-3, and three, and they were ready to do it. And then it just unraveled, like, quick. So I would ask this, because you, you asked about Jay. Do you think because of that – because you can look at last year and then this year and all of the injuries that derailed potentially two playoff type of seasons, do you think Jay ends up back in Washington next year? Uh, You know, my guess would be yes, but I I don't have any great insight right now as to say that he is or will not be good. But he's a good football coach, uh, dealt with a lot of bad things this year. But what Dan Snyder is going to decide, I I, I don't know that right now. Um, So... I'd be as interested in your guys' guesses on this as mine. I 
Tommy and I just did this uh, 20 minutes ago. I, I think yep. I think Bruce, and I want to get your feelings on Bruce, I, I think there's a chance that Bruce is, is exits next week. Um, and perhaps stays on as some sort of consultant to the stadium issue, getting the new stadium done because he's been intimately involved in that particular issue. But I can tell you this, Adam, Bruce is probably more despised by the fan base or what's left of it than even Vinny yep. Serrato was. Uh, so that's my feeling on Bruce. I want to get your th- feeling on, on Bruce. I th- the, the, one, the, one, the, one, the one thing on Bruce I would say is Bruce is very savvy and Bruce is very smart and Bruce knows how to play things just right always. I mean, that's one of his strengths. And so you may be right about your Bruce prediction. I don't know what you're basing it on, and, and I'm not telling it's wrong or right. I don't know. Uh, Bruce is a survivor. And there have been plenty of times when we thought the Redskins would make changes, and they never have. They, they've been, by and large, a fairly stable organization in the main places where it matters. Um, and so you, know, you could tell me Bruce will be out, and that's one of those things that I guess I would believe it when I see it. Not to say that it won't happen, but um, again, Bruce is very smart about positioning himself always. You know, that's so. I mean, look, Adam, you know the league better than anybody, and there is this. There's there's a totally different perception of Bruce Allen locally than there is apparently within the industry, uh, because if he's a really smart guy, he hides it really well here. Well, he is. I know. I'm just telling you, he is. Okay. And 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 I know that. Yeah, you know, I, I understand what you're saying about the fan base and his feelings, and you know what's transpired during his tenure there, and the results have not been what Redskins fans. Well, I'm just telling you, he's a smarter guy as there is in the league. I'm just telling you right now. But they do a lot of dumb things. You know. They yeah, that's do, that's also true. They, they've done a lot of dumb things over the last nine years that have been embarrassing to the organization. And I don't know if, if it's that he just doesn't care or he just, you know, perhaps isn't with respect to a lot of these things, hadn't figured them out. I, look, it's just let – me, let me make sure I'm clear on one thing that I'm hearing from you. And if I'm not hearing it correctly, you'll, you'll, you'll correct me. Is your lean that Bruce Allen stays? I'm not leaning anyway on okay. Bruce. Because uh, I, I don't have any intimate knowledge about whether he's staying or going. I'm aware of all the speculation – and you're telling me that you you think he's going to be out. That'd be your guess. I, I would ask you, what do you base that on? Uh, I'm in the minority with this opinion. I think most people actually believe that he's coming back. Uh, there, there are a couple of things. Number, number one is that the erosion of this fan base has accelerated, yeah. Adam, this year. There are ta- okay. There's tangible evidence that television ratings locally are, are significantly down. Other games are outrating Redskins games in the market. It's not that people aren't watching football. They're not watching Redskins football. You, I think, I think that, that may be a fantasy result as much more than a Redskins result, but we, we could debate that. We're talking about big games. We're talking about the Redskins-Eagles game on a Monday night for first place would have yep. done double the rating three or four years ago that it did here locally on that particular night with no other football uh, going on. You're talking about attendance yes, that sir. that is significantly down for the first time 
ever, hmm. uh, or certainly since 1966, there won't be one game that's sold out. And worse than that, and, and that may have been the case over the years, and they were they were sort of fake yep. sellouts. Um, yep. But but uh, this year you had half empty stadiums, and when they were half empty or even three quarters full, which on occasion that was uh, the, what you saw, it was filled with 30, 40, 50 percent of the opponent's fans. I think right. Dan Snyder, if he recognizes the acceleration of this erosion of his fan base and that yep. a lot of the ire, a lot of the fans' ire is directed towards Bruce because it's directed towards Dan, but Dan's not selling the team. I, I just don't know how, from a business standpoint, he moves forward with Bruce Allen in that role. What is he selling? Well, He's got nothing to sell. That's the well, re- that's my main reason. I, I think there you go others. back to Tom's point. You sell football. You sell a winning team. You make some moves that excite the fan base, whatever those are. And I don't know what the next move is. They made, I thought, uh, a wise move in trading for Alex Smith that basically covered up the quarterback mistakes that they've made over time. And then he suffers that injury that we don't know when or if he'll be able to come back. And now that that becomes a real problem because if he can't come back, you know, again, his health is the most important thing. But if he can't come back, then financially it becomes a huge burden to the Redskins against the cap salary-wise. Uh, it becomes difficult to maneuver to go get another quarterback. So, um, again, I, I think you want to sell hope to the fans like any team, but that becomes hard to do if the quarterback is physically incapable of coming back. And what I'm saying to you is if Bruce Allen comes back, there's no hope to be sold because there's too much apathy, uh, Adam. There, anger is a, a better emotion for them. There are too many people that are completely apathetic about the franchise. And well, you, you're, you're, you're there and I'm not, and I, I, I don't know it's my view. how fans do it. Yeah. It's my view. On, on Jay Gruden, this is what I said to Tommy earlier, I think Jay stays because, number one, they owe him money. Number two, if Bruce is gone, they'll elevate from within Kyle Smith, Eric Schaefer, etc. Um, and number three, the candidate pool may be so significant with, uh, or the openings may be so significant with limited candidates. And let's face it, this isn't the number one destination point for a top-level candidate. Um, again, I think any team that's making a change always has to make a determination, right? Are you better with the guy we have or the guy that you think you could get? And if you decide that you don't want Jay Gruden, who are you hiring that you believe is better than Jay Gruden? And I think that's the question that everybody always has to answer. And and if they're doing their due diligence and they go through all that and they figure out uh, who those candidates would be, who is plausible about landing, and then whether they believe that they're better off with that guy. You know, you mentioned the trade for Alex Smith, and it did give them some cover uh, for the quarterback decisions that they failed to make uh, previously. What uh, what they're going to be paying for now is, and I don't want I don't mean to be insensitive to Alex Smith, is uh, I don't understand the urgency of then turning around and giving him a four year contract extension the mm-hmm. minute he got here, uh, unless it's only to show the fan base that we're not going to make the same mistake twice, unless it's a perception issue. Yeah, I, I, listen, I think that you got a quarterback that you believe in, a guy that's been a real pro, and, and they just felt like, you know what, let's get ahead of it. 
and let's commit to him now before the prices on Aaron Rodgers and 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 some of these other quarterback deals come in before Kirk Cousins comes in. So let's lock him in at a friendly rate, a rate, and let's get ahead of it as opposed to chasing it the way they have been doing in recent years. And I, I think the idea of it, the theory of it, was right. It, it just due to the injury, right? Unfortunately, has a chance to not work out. Yeah. Um, let's real quickly, cause I know you've got little time. So two more minutes real quickly on the NFL. Who's the top candidate coaching candidate for all of these openings? Like the top two, a, two or three. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's hard to say because it's a, it's sort of a muddled candidate pool this year. It's I, not like right. in other years where there have been certain guys that just jump out. But if I had to say guys that I think that the NFL is really talking about, you know, I think, uh, Lincoln Riley is a name that jumps out there if he were willing to leave. Uh, I still think Josh McDaniels is out there as a coveted guy. Uh, Mike McCarthy having let go. John Harbaugh, I know he's got a year left. You know, do they get a new deal worked out? Do they not? I thought they did get uh, a new. I thought they did get a new deal. I thought they extended. No, they, no, no, no. They announced that they're going to keep him, but they have not um, gotten close to a new deal just yet. That doesn't mean that they won't get there. Interesting, but. And so that that's where we're at with that right now. Um, so that doesn't mean that, you know, another team, you know, Jim John Harbour couldn't decide to play it out or another team could make a run. That, that, that's still, still not a fully settled situation, despite the fact that the Ravens announced that he'll be back. You know, one of the things that's interesting, uh, I think, is some of these coaches that could potentially – be let go are really strong defensive coaches like Todd Bowles or Ron Rivera. Bowles in mm-hmm. particular, I've always been a massive fan of. Um, he'd get a job immediately as a defensive coordinator, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Um, what else do you have for Adam? That's it. <laughs> I did except, see you. except uh, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy, happy <laughs> New Year. Thanks for doing it on short notice. I, I noticed, and I just saw this that you tweeted out that, and this is interesting, that Chicago would be a three and a half point favorite at home against Minnesota, but a five yeah. and a half point favorite over Philadelphia, Tommy, which means Vegas actually is starting to look at Minnesota, and I think it's their defense in particular as more legitimate if they get into the postseason. Uh, th- that surprised me because I, I think people, Adam, think that if Philadelphia gets in, they're super dangerous. Oh, listen, I mean, you know, that, and that's what I was talking about with Washington earlier, just getting in. I mean, if you're, if you're playing good football at that time, you're peaking, confidence, momentum, health, the whole thing, which obviously didn't happen for Washington, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, there weren't people that, looked, that were looking at Minnesota earlier in the year as a team boy uh, that, that was – to be reckoned with they were struggling and, and now you know they're bouncing back they're running a football a little bit you know i think people feel pretty good about minnesota if they get to the postseason so well you know that that's what makes the postseason so interesting it, it gets it gets going and maybe a team in the opening round or the wild card round that snuck in wins a game starts believing in itself and and you don't, you don't know what's going to happen can't wait for it hey thanks so much as always and Thank happy you, new year to you kevin tom happy new year to you and everybody in the washington area all right, let's get to Tommy's favorite portion of the week, NFL Power Poll. Rank them one to five. It's time for our weekly NFL Power Poll. All right, I'm not going to let you go first this week. I'm going to go first this week because I don't really, I don't like listening to you talk about this stuff when you barely even put it together. Well, and you're putting it together as we speak. Well, you know anyway. what? If you don't like it, <laughs> just think about the people listening to the podcast. All right. Well, here's what I here's why I like, um, and it's not that I like this segment. I just like talking about the NFL, especially when my team. 
they're just they're out of it. Like there's um, they're they, not really I, in the NFL. I'm li- <laughs> they're not really in the NFL. I'm actually really looking forward to this NFL postseason. So am I. I think it's been an exciting season. I think we've had these swings of wild, crazy games with unbelievably high-scoring offense. And now, over the last month, we've seen some incredible defense emerge. Uh, My top five, I'm giving you the five teams. Actually, it's six. I'm sorry. Well then, that's not that's not a top five. Then. <laughs> all right, I'm going to eliminate. See, I'm going to eliminate a team here that right. that isn't going to make sense to anybody. But I'm going to give you the top five teams in order of them in terms of their chances of winning the Super Bowl. The, I think number one on that list is New Orleans. They would be my favorite to win the Super Bowl. Number two on that list are the L.A. Rams. I still think the Rams have enough. Even though they've had some injuries here, I still think they've got enough to win the Super Bowl. Um, Houston is my number three team, and they're coming off a loss. The third team that I would pick to win the Super Bowl, not get there, win it, is Houston. The fourth team may not even qualify for the playoffs, but I think they've got a chance to win the Super Bowl, and that is Baltimore is my number four team. Waiting for your reaction to that. Y'all have to wait. Okay. Baltimore is my number four team. Again, they may not even be in the postseason, but right now I would say they've got the fourth best chance to win the Super Bowl. And the only reason I put them ahead of my fifth ranked team in this week's NFL Power Poll, the Chargers, is because Baltimore likely will host at least one game to get through the postseason. The Chargers are going to have to win three in a row. And let's face it, the Ravens beat the shit out of yes, the, the Chargers yes, the other did. night. So having the Chargers ahead of Baltimore at this point, after what happened the other night, I just thought you would mock me on. And I don't think the Chargers are better than the Ravens right now. The biggest problem the Ravens will have is I don't think they're capable of coming back against anybody if they no. fall behind. No, they're not. Um, but I that's my top five. So I left Chicago out of there, and I left Kansas City out of there. So go ahead. I left New England out of there, too. Well, I'm going to do a combination of the best teams in the NFL in Week 17 and uh, the teams you wouldn't want to play if you were going into the playoffs. All right. And the Saints are number one, just like you. The Rams are number two, just like you. Uh, I'm going to put the Bears at number three. Uh, I, have, I have the Bears at number three. Um I'm going to put the Ravens at number four. Okay. I kind of I agree with you. I agree. Like I mean, the teams I don't want to play the Ravens, and they may not even make it because Cleveland is going to be a tough game for them on Sunday. And I still think the Chiefs are are, are more competitive than you think, and they're going to be in my in my fifteen. Uh, so I'm leaving the Patriots out. I'm very disappointed in what the Chargers did. My All LA Super Bowl is probably not going to happen. Uh, I left the Chargers out, uh, so that that's my top five. The um, there so Houston. I if you're wondering why I've got Houston that high, and they just lost to Philadelphia, is that I just look at them. First of all, they're going to play a home game. You know, more likely than not, if they beat Jacksonville, I mean, I guess theoretically they could still lose the division, right? A loss and an Indy win, I think Indy wins the division. They're not, they're not going to lose to Jacksonville. 
on Sunday. So Houston's going to get a home game. They're not going to be the two seed, which would have been a huge advantage. But if they win that first round game against Indy or Tennessee, which it most likely will be, I think they go to New England and win. I think Houston's good enough. I think they're better than the Patriots. It I mean, I don't know what we're going to see from the Patriots in the postseason. Betting against them has been insane and really costly over the years when you've thought that they were down a little bit. Houston's better than New England, and I think that puts them in an AFC title game, potentially at home against a Baltimore. Or, you know, Pittsburgh's still a possibility. Yeah. You know, there's still a possibility because the Ravens have a very difficult game on Sunday that they have to win, and the Steelers have the much easier division finale against Cincinnati. Uh, but I just I see the Ravens going to Arrowhead, a game that they could have won, maybe should have won, and having the ability to win in the postseason. And then maybe, I think we see a Baltimore at Houston AFC Championship game. That's why I have them three and four here. Uh, the one and two, even though I think Chicago's capable of going on the road and winning a game, I still would favor. I mean, New Orleans is going to be a touchdown favorite at home over anybody, including Aaron, the Rams. And an NFC title game, if New Orleans wins the divisional round game and is hosting against the Rams, that line may be as high as seven. It could be. With the way the Rams have played recently. What was it the first go-round? Three and a half? Three? Yeah, it was around three. Uh... And then the Chargers, I still think, are so capable. They just played one of the teams that is just nasty right now, and it wasn't a good matchup for them. Man, did Phillip Rivers and that Charger offense look pedestrian yeah, against did. that Baltimore defense. That was very disappointing. Can uh, I ask you a question? You may. Are we going to keep doing this in, like, March or April? We're going to stop, aren't we? Yeah, this this was it. Is this it, the this last one? It. This was the last one. Is there a cake? It's a regular season segment. Is there a cake or to celebrate Wait, or anything we're, like we're that? Not, we're not going to start after the Super Bowl doing 2019 and then yeah. draft power rankings? Yeah. It's, and... We never did that. We just did this during the season. Yeah, the cake's in the refrigerator. I'm okay. keeping it cold. It's really yummy. Just cake. don't leave it out in the rain. I wouldn't leave it out in the rain. <laughs> Uh, I've got a smell test here for today. I had uh, Boston College yesterday, uh, plus two against Boise. They were up 7 nothing at the end of the first quarter, and then Storms came in, and Tommy, they stopped playing the bowl game. They canceled it. So it's a non-transaction. It's, an, it's, it's, it's a non-play in Vegas. So I don't get the credit for the win. And it wasn't a win at that point, but I would have been really upset had it been twenty-eight to nothing when they canceled the game. That doesn't seem right. You should be able to to uh, go to the National Weather <laughs> Service and get paid or something like that. Uh, three games today. I've got two smell test picks. Miami's laying two and a half against Wisconsin. Wisconsin's had a bad year, uh, a year in which they were. A pick by many, right, Aaron, to be a playoff team before this season started. Uh, They lost early to BYU. They lost games to Northwestern. They got blown out by Minnesota at the end of the year. It's just not a very good team with a a really tough quarterbacking situation uh, in particular. I I am surprised, though, that Miami's favored uh, in this game. Now, I gave Miami out late in the season against Pitt as a six-point favorite against Virginia Tech is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. They played really well at the end of the year. I think they're going back um, uh, to the other quarterback for the game today, um, Rogier. I think 
they are, are doing that. But regardless, none of that ever matters in the smell test. What matters is that the public's on Wisconsin, and uh, there's a little bit of sharp money on Miami. Rozier so. is the quarterback. And I actually like Rozier. I think he's actually decent. Uh, take the Canes, lay the two and a half against Wisconsin in the pinstripe bowl at Yankee Stadium. Then tonight... Uh, if you're not doing anything, now I've given you a reason to do something. You got a game to watch. Baylor plus four and a half in the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. All right, that's tonight. I'm sure you've been waiting for it. Vanderbilt's laying four and a half against a Baylor team that, for whatever reason, people don't believe in. Vandy's played pretty well at times this year. Um, they had a huge win over Tennessee at the end of the year. They beat Ole Miss. Uh, you know, they, they were close in that Florida game early in the year when Florida had just beaten LSU and they had a big lead. They blew it. Um, they were close against Kentucky. Vanderbilt's pretty good, pretty good on defense, too. Uh, Baylor can score. Uh, Baylor beat Texas Tech to, to, to end the season. Um, uh, I like Baylor plus the four and a half. That line opened at six. It's down to four and a half, which indicates sharp money on Baylor. So there you go. Two smell test, two smell test picks for the day. Miami laying two and a half and Baylor plus four and a half. And, uh, I am 46, 17 and one over the last six weeks. So what tropical Island are you going to with your winnings? This off I've, been, I, I've been looking at a lot of brochures. Okay, I have been, um, and so we'll the wife and I will make a choice, <laughs> and uh, and it would be great if she bet with me. It'd be so much fun. I have a friend of mine whose wife bets with him all the time. Really? Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's a makes for a great relationship. Wow, that's I, that's pretty I, unique. until you lose. A couple that wins together loses together. Wow, I've uh, never heard that before. I know. I've I, I've heard about it a couple of times actually recently. All right, there you go. Uh, thanks for coming in today. You'll be back next week. Um, and you've picked the Redskins over the Eagles. Yes, Sunday. I. No, I'm not really. Oh, okay. I, I just <laughs> I, I can't do that. All I right. just said that would be just just so bizarre in this bizarre world we live in. Uh, with the Redskins for them to win a game like this, but no, they're not going to win. The Eagles have to win. This is going to be a disaster. All right, did you? All you, the wanna, way you had something else though. You, yeah. That you needed uh, well, to say. first of all, I wanted to remind everybody: you can hear me on 106.7 The Fan, uh, uh, t- typically every Wednesday with Chad Dukes from four to six, uh, Andy Pollan, uh from nine to uh, uh, noon on Saturdays on and Saturday, Sundays. Now starting Sundays as well. So, he was on with. Who was he on with Sunday? Because he had me call. He called. I forget me. who he was on with. Was it Probably Earl? Earl. Earl. Might have been Earl. Earl. But Andy and I are going to be on Saturdays now and Sunday mornings on 1067 A Fan. And this fr- Wednesday, we're actually filling. No, this Friday, we're actually filling in for Chad Dukes from 2 to 6. And Monday, New Year's Eve, we're on from 5 to 8. All right. So doing a lot of work evening. here. Uh, 5 to 8 p.m. Okay. <laughs> 5 to 8 p.m. <laughs> but the other thing I wanted to say is uh, I wanted another award. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. We got to hear about this one. What'd you win? Go ahead. Well, the Boxing Writers Association of America has a, an award called the, the uh, Nat Fleischer Award. And it's for lifetime achievement in boxing journalism excellence. And uh, Jim Murray has won this award before. Wow. Red Smith has won wow. this award. Big names. Dave Anderson. Wow. Didn't he just pass away? Yes, he did. Bill Gilday from the Washington yeah, Post sure. has won this award. And I am the 2018 winner. This might be the most impressive award you've ever won. It is. Am I right? It, it, a lot of these other yeah. awards are yeah. sort of uh, obscure awards. Yeah. No offense. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, this one sounds like a big deal. This is a big Will deal. Will you have to go out to Vegas and make a speech? Well, they haven't figured out if they're having the dinner in, in Dallas in March or Vegas in May. Okay. They usually have the dinner around a big fight. So uh, I'll, I'll know by, by next month. Uh, where oh, that's exactly great. It Congratulations. Will be. But thank that. you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm yeah. very honored to uh, to do it, uh, to, to win it, because I loved covering boxing I when know. boxing existed. I would like people to, I'd like people to read you. I'd like more people to read your stuff. It is really, really good. You know, I, I feel that way genuinely. Your columns are outstanding. Well, thank you. Um, all right. Uh, have a good uh, Thursday and weekend, and I'll see you on Tuesday. No, you won't. It's New Year's Day. Oh, it's New Year's Day. <laughs> I won't see you on New Year's Day. Right. I'll see you next Thursday. Right. I mean. I looked at you and I'm like, what am I missing? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's New Year's Day. Yeah. And we're not going to work on New Year's Day. Well, hey, actually, you know what? You got I, the day off on no, Tuesday. No, actually, uh, Andy and I are doing 8 to noon on New Year's Day, <laughs> too. Oh, great. Enjoy that. I'll be <laughs> off on New Year's Day. All right. Thanks. I'll see you All next right, week. All right, boss. All right, uh, thanks to Aaron, thanks to Tommy, thanks to Adam Schefter. Have a great day.